hello again to those of you returning to listen, and those that are here for the first time, welcome to Mimosa Talk, a place where we dissect all things television. I'm your host, Lizzie, and I'm really excited about this week's episode because I have two guests joining me. Uh, Bachelorette Erin is back for her Bachelor Review, which gives you a week-by-week update of everything that's happening in the mansion and talks about all the juicy drama, and there was a lot of it on Monday. And then Tommy, a writer for our site Crave TV, is joining us for a special review of the Good Place series finale. Um, And it's going to get emotional because the finale is going to go down as heavenly. Uh, But before we get all to that, grab your mimosa and let's chat about some of the current events in television this week. Cheers! Uh, Catherine McPhee is returning to television. TV Line reports that Netflix put in a straight-to-series order on 10 episodes of a multi-cam sitcom called Country Comfort. Uh, McPhee will be a modern-day country version of the au pair brought to life by Fran Drescher. Uh, Her character, Bailey, takes a job being a nanny of five for a cowboy played by Eddie Cibrian. Uh, The official synopsis reads, With a never-given-up attitude and loads of Southern charm, this newbie nanny is able to navigate the family dynamics and be the mother figure they've been missing. To her surprise, Bailey also gets the band she's been missing in this musically talented family who helps get her back on the road to stardom. Um, From the explanation, it follows a very similar premise uh, to the original, but it is being touted as not a reboot. Um, New photos show the return of Kai Parker to the Vampire Diaries universe, and fans of The Psychopath like myself, cannot wait. Uh, Chris Wood's return as Kai is happening on Legacy's February 6th episode. Aside from Kai's return being teased by Julie Pleck, last week's episode set it up with Alaric, Lizzie, and Josie getting banned to the prison world, the very one um, that Kai was trapped in, it seems like, by Alyssa Chang. His return will likely kickstart the dreaded merge um, that pits Lizzie and Josie against each other, Um, to see which twin will be the stronger one and emerges the survivor. Uh, That is, if Kai doesn't kill them all. Uh, On the previous episode of Mimosa Talk, I mentioned ABC's new streaming service, Peacock, which will have the Saved by the Bell revival. A few of the original cast members are returning, including Mark Paul, who played Zach Morris, Mario Lopez, who played A.C. Slater, and Elizabeth Berkley as Jesse Spano. Now, they've cast Zach Morris's son, Mark Morris, who will be played by Roswell, New Mexico's Mitchell Hoog. He's described as a handsome, charming, privileged son of Gosselier's beloved slacker. Um, Empire's Belmont uh, Camelli will play Jamie Spano, who is Jesse's son, and the captain of Bayside football team, um... And he's kind of described as a man-child son. So it's unclear if Kelly Kapowski is Mac's mother or if Slater is Jamie's father. But all of that seemed possible because Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Gosselier are set to guest star. And as I mentioned, Slater, um, not Slater, Mario Lopez as Slater will be back as well. The show's synopsis uh, finds Zach as governor of California, believe it or not. Um, when he lands in hot water for closing too many low-income high schools. When he suggests sending the affected students to the highest-performing schools in the state, including Bayside High, the influx of new students gives the overprivileged Bayside kids a much-needed and hilarious dose of reality. 
On the soap opera side, The Young and the Restless has scored a four-season order, meaning it's going to stay on the air for four more years through 2024, which also marks their 50th anniversary. It's impressive in our current TV landscape for sure, uh, and fellow soap Days of Our Lives also gets a 56th season renewal this week. Uh, unfortunately, Netflix The Crown doesn't have the same good news going for it. Uh, the network, along with the show creator, announced that the upcoming fifth season would be its last, despite expectations set that it would continue through season six. Fans were upset, understandably, because, you know, many of them wanted to see a modern day uh, reflected in the series about the royal family. Um, I mean, Megxit practically wrote itself. However, the last season will take place in 2003. For Harry Potter fans, it's exciting because Imelda Staunton, who played Dolores Umbridge, is taking on the role of Queen Elizabeth in the final season. You know, it's surprising to me because so many people have raved about how good The Crown is. Um, the BBC reports over 70 million people tuned into the last season, and there's plenty more story to tell. But I get that present day might hit too close to home, and it kind of loses a little bit of that monarchy allure. So, you know, I just, I guess it is what it is. We get five seasons and we got to be happy about it. Empire is gearing up to take its final bow. Fox revealed the premiere date for the final 10 episodes of the musical hip hop drama, which will start on Tuesday, March 3rd. The network also gave a little preview of what's coming and it includes plenty of drama and many questions that still need to be answered. Also, will Cookie or Lucius die? Tap into the final installments to find out. Um, we're hitting the spring and mid-season premieres, which include Good Girls, the Riverdale spinoff Katie Keene, and Roswell, New Mexico. Ahead of its February 16th premiere, Good Girls debuted its trailer, and honestly, the only question on everyone's mind is, is Rio alive? At the end of season three, if you remember, um, Beth shoots Rio three times, and then she walked away, assuming she killed him. Clearly, no one ever told Beth about the no-body, no-death rule on television, and in general, it's kind of naive of her to think that Rio doesn't have nine lives like a cat. From what we saw, Agent Turner didn't end Rio, so there is a slight chance that he called the cops and helped patch him up. Um, but anyways, the trailer um, picks up after Rio's alleged death, and Beth assures the girls that he's gone and they're free. And to celebrate, they begin to print counterfeit money in hopes of making it rain all over their debt. In other words, they're back in business. Except that living a lie based on deceit is never that easy and something ominous comes Beth's way as someone arrives on her doorstep at the end of the trailer. Turner can be heard saying over that scene that that's the thing about this game. Just when you think you've finished, something new pops up. Based on her facial expression, she's shocked and in disbelief and a little bit scared, so it seems like maybe Rio is coming for payback. Uh, there's also a hilarious part where Dean lists off Beth's CBS receipt. It's her CBS long rap sheet, um, including breaking and entering, kidnapping, and class two with an animal, whatever that means. Oh, and then they steal a bird, and we'll assume that they just had a good reason for it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Katie Keene premieres on February 6th, but before that, Lucy Hale, who stars as Katie, will be making her debut on Riverdale in a crossover on the night before, which is on February 5th. The episode finds Veronica venturing out of the twisted town of Riverdale, also known as the murder capital, and back to her old hometown of New York. 
possibly to find some buyers for her maple rum. While in New York, she reunites with old friend Katie because, of course, Veronica knows Katie Keene. It's the first of what we assume is plenty of crossovers. Now, if we could only figure out how to incorporate Greendale into that, which I assume is a lot closer than New York. Although, to be completely honest, I'm not sure where Riverdale even is. Speaking of Riverdale, there's a new musical headed to town, which is great if you love Riverdale musicals, and it's pretty terrible if you hate them. I find myself on the fence about them. I I didn't really mind Carrie, but Heather's seemed overly produced and just straight up cheesy. Uh, Maybe it's because the whole farm storyline was also swaying over the town, But if it wasn't for Chad Michael Murray, uh, his introduction as Edgar Evernever at the end, I would have given Heather's zero stars. This year, the annual musical episode is going to be centered around Hedwig the Angry Inch, a production that premiered in 1998 that centers around genderqueer East German glam rocker. Honestly, it's unclear how they're going to work this into the storyline of Riverdale organically, but here's the synopsis for the April 8th episode. After the previous debacles of Carrie and Heather's, Kevin Keller has decided to revive Riverdale's high tradition of hosting a variety show. But when Mr. Honey forbids him from performing a number from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Kevin and our gang rallies against the principal by each performing a number from Hedwig, turning turning the variety show into a full-fledged musical that as always reflects our characters' inner lives and struggles. And amidst all the drama, one forbidden showman's begins to blossom. The Riverdale creator said they wanted to try something different, and, well, we'll see how this goes. I'm going to ring the alarm now, which means spoilers are ahead, because I'm getting into the chilling adventures of Sabrina with a bit of a Riverdale tie-in. Okay, so how many of you binge-watched season three without moving off of your couch for like 10 hours straight? Yeah, me too. I spent two days getting deeply enthralled in all things related to hell. By the end, I may as well have been the queen of hell myself, going on for a quest for the unholy regalia. The only thing keeping me sane is the fact that season four is set to drop sometime towards the end of the year. I'm not a huge fan of waiting, especially when things ended on such a crazy note with Faustus Blackwell attempting to end the earth literally moments after Sabrina challenged time to save all of Greendale from the pagans. Like, geez, Blackwell, can you just let a girl breathe for a moment? Of course, the other issue at hand is Sabrina's double life. She thought she outsmarted the system by having one version of herself in hell as queen and the other at home living her mortal life. But messing with time has consequences. The time loop is going to make her pay for this. And I don't know how it works in the witch world, but I've never seen time travel let anyone off the hook easily. You may have missed all the Riverdale Easter eggs sprinkled throughout Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but it was nearly impossible because this... Riverdale had a much larger presence on this season than ever before, and it's almost as if they're teasing an upcoming crossover. In fact, at one point, Sabrina and Ambrose actually did make their way into the maple syrupy town, but somehow managed to go in and out without running into anyone, not even Cheryl Blossom. For all the Easter eggs you missed, you can check out CraveUTV.com's Breakdown. And... Let's take a break now for Bachelorette Aaron's Bachelor Recap. Aaron, take it away.
What's up? It's your Bachelor expert, Aaron. I'm here to break down episode four of what was one of the most dramatic episodes. And I normally say it lightly, but this time I actually mean it. The girls head to Cleveland, Ohio for their dates. A little bit of a letdown considering the more exotic places the Bachelor franchises travel to. But regardless, Victoria F gets a first one-on-one -on -one date and it ends up being a private Chase Rice concert. Chase Rice is Victoria F's ex-boyfriend. So you can imagine the drama that happened there. These Bachelor producers honestly need the biggest raise because it was hilarious. At the end of the day, Victoria told Peter that she dated Chase. Peter really respected her honesty and ended up giving her a rose regardless. Now we flash forward to a group date. The girls play football on the Cleveland Browns field. It's a little depressing watching these girls play football, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, they were not that athletic. But then <laughs> they ended up, everyone from the group date went to a cocktail party. And that's when more drama happened because Alea, who got kicked off last week, Peter did not give her a rose. She comes walking in this group date ready to take what's hers. She sits down with Peter and goes, I feel like everyone was lying about me. I need to tell you my side of the story. Victoria P lied about me and you should hear it. Then Peter goes to Victoria P. And I think I was more devastated than Peter to hear that she was lying because Victoria P is one of my front runners. And now my entire bracket is busted and ruined because she's a little snake and I really don't like that. So all the girls are upset because Alea decides to come back into the house and Peter gives her the group date rose. You have to remember, she wasn't on the group date. The other girls have bruises and broken ankles from that football game, and Alea just waltz right in there and grabs a group date rose. Now all the girls are very, very upset with Peter. At the cocktail party at the next night, they all attacked him, and they were like, hey, this is totally unfair. We are all here trying to win your heart, and you are out here taking someone back that you already let go, like you already let her go home? That does not even make sense to us. Peter is way more confused than ever. He's very upset, and these girls are not backing down. I'm so here for it, and I cannot wait to see what happens in episode five. There were a few finales this week that we have to get to. Uh, the first is the Good Place series finale, and I enlisted Tommy, our Good Place reviewer, to chat about his thoughts, feelings, and gripes with the episode. Guys, I'm here with Tommy, our Good Place resident reviewer on Crave UTV. And this is a big night for him and for all Good Place fans. Tommy, you're a guy who is deeply passionate about the series. You've watched it multiple times, you've told me. So I want to know all of your thoughts about this series finale. But first, I want to check in with you. How are you feeling and are you doing okay? Oh, yeah, I guess I'm okay. I mean, I'm not sad that it's over because I like when shows get to end on their own terms and then it feels complete, but I'm sad that it's over. I know that sounds very contradictory, but <laughs> it was a series that I really liked and cared about. I'm, I'll miss getting to sit down and watch it, but I like how it ended, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy and satisfied. Is it what you expected? Yes. It actually is very much in line with what I expected. Because a lot of people were saying that, like, they don't know – where the last episode's going to go. And I think you said that in your review too. Um, but then when it started, I felt like that was the only place that I, it was the only way that this could end. Yeah. So I had said in the last two that I didn't know where the plot was going to lead us. Um, I guess what I didn't mention for myself in the last review, I didn't think anything in this episode was going to be crazy. I didn't necessarily think they were going to try to pull out some new plot point, a new twist. So it's very much in line with that line of thinking. I wouldn't say I knew what was going to happen. But, yeah, I agree. Once it started, 
it felt very, you know, just like what the story is, very plain, nothing fancy. And I personally like that. Yeah, I mean, finales are just so hard to do because, like, expectations are so high. And for this show specifically, like, I feel like the resolution was very important to the storyline. And do you think that it was, like, the like a perfect ending? Like, a lot of shows don't get a good ending and people are upset. Do you think this one was, like, as close to perfect as it could have been? I think it was pretty close to perfect. I mean, there were a few gripes I had. Um, but overall, I think that the most important aspect of this show was giving closure to its characters at this point, since the plot had been so wrapped up in the last two episodes. So in terms of ending a series, a lot of shows have so much to try to wrap up in the last few episodes, and it can be very difficult to bring all those aspects together and create something special. Um, What The Good Place did that I felt was effective in this case, and wouldn't be effective in every case, was to get the plot stuff pretty much out of the way before they got to the finale and just focus in on what made each of these characters special on the series and in in the show itself, what made them special to each other. Do you want to walk through kind of each of their final goodbyes? Um, sure. And how, like how those wrapped up? Like, I think let's start with Jason because I was kind of surprised by how self-aware he was and confident in his decision that it was just time. Yeah, so Jason was really interesting because when it first started, I even have a note in my notes that Jason, after all this time, was pretty much the same. Like, he was living in, like, the fast food joint. And But as soon as he finished playing that Madden game, you could see on his face that something had changed for him. Yeah. And especially when he gave the speech to Chidi and Eleanor about how the air in his lungs feels the same as the air outside of his body. It did feel very self-aware about who he is, what he wants, what he enjoyed in life. And having this big party that he got to throw, it felt very Jason and felt very complete. Um, When he came back for Janet at the, uh, I guess that was two-thirds throw. Yeah, that was unexpected. I thought that was great. Um, I really didn't expect it. And for a moment, I thought, are they, like, are they trying to throw in a twist where, like, the door just doesn't work? Yeah, but that's what it I was, thought it was, at first, too. Yeah, but it was nothing, it was nothing crazy. It was just <laughs> Jason wanted to, to give his necklace to Janet. And as he waited for, like Janet said, he, he basically became a monk. He didn't have anybody to talk to. And... He finally just, you know, chilled out. He wasn't super impulsive. It's not like he ran back and, like, started partying again or throwing Molotov cocktails. He was just skipping stones and being at peace, which is something that I feel like Jason really needed. Yeah, it was very kind of full circle almost. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love how he kind of ran after Chidi and was like, dude, wait for me. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Even when he's crossing over, he's still like Jason. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. what about Tahani? Because we don't know if she ever, like, decided to cross over, if she just stayed on as the architect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she moves to be an architect, and the last we see of her, she's just being an architect. Um, what do you, I what do you think? Surprised when, I, yeah. was, I was surprised when she changed her uh, mind about 
crossing over or going through the doorway. Um, because her storyline, so much of it was about her parents and her sister in, in regards to her time on Earth. And in her afterlife, she was always so, you know, high class that I love that she spent so much time learning how to do just everything. I thought it was great when she had the party and she did every single aspect of that party that normally she'd tell other people to do, like cook the food or bring in the furniture. So I felt that she was had really come full circle circle as a person and as a character. So when she decided to uh, move up and try to be an architect, I didn't think it was a – I wouldn't have felt that it was unnecess- or necessary to do that. Like she felt like she was in a good place. But her reasoning behind, you know, having helped people her whole life, you know, through her false sense of good, just trying to, you know, be better than her sister, and now having an opportunity to actually help a ton of people, in some ways that was a – it's almost like you have to work on yourself before you have to – can be with others. And I thought that yeah. was a pretty decent message for her because she, she worked on herself and then it was time to really help others. That's that's very true. Were you surprised that she had those good family moments in the end for a couple hundred baramies or whatever she said? Um, I guess at first I was as surprised as she and her sister were when her parents were like, oh, we love you, we're so sorry, because I didn't expect that. But I'm not sure why, because when you think about it, it's like, oh, this is like the real good place now, of course, that they would, you know, realize they did wrong, because that's the whole point of the new afterlife system. Um, yeah, but I love that it was so simple that their time being a family was just watching movies and playing croquet and sitting together watching that movie. I don't know why, but that image struck me in particular. It's not like, uh, you know, they're just sitting in four individual seats, like on a couch, like you'd watch at home. And uh, yet it still felt like such a family together kind of moment. It was very mundane, but I guess that's the point is that those moments are what make life special. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then how about Chidi? So Chidi, obviously, as he said, had felt bored for a while. I love that he called the Da Vinci's Code garbage reading or garbage books. <laughs> it was so Chidi. It was very Chidi, but it was it was that Zen confident Chidi. Like the original Chidi would have been like, if I do this, this isn't insulting everybody, and like he wouldn't have like. I don't remember him dishing insults out like that, but it felt nice that he could do that and, like, express his opinion. Yeah. Um, so what I liked about Sheedy's journey, um, he may have been complete, but he probably sensed that Eleanor wasn't ready for him to leave. Like, he probably knew she wasn't ready to leave the good place in general, but I thought it was very nice of him to realize that she wasn't ready for him to go and be willing to spend that extra time with her. And when Eleanor finally realized that she can't be selfish that way, that was basically uh, a callback to Eleanor's very first sacrifice when she said she's the problem in the good place. Because she's really grown into a person who's completely selfless now. And Chidi can leave. He did his job as her ethics professor. Yeah, it was a really. <laughs> you can always go back and add it in. Yeah, no, it was a really, it was a really good. It was a good moment when she was just like, "Yeah, it's selfish of me," and I feel like if he had stayed any longer, he would have ended up resenting her, and that's 
that's just not what the good place is about. Yeah, and I also I, what I thought was so good about his, I guess I, I've been calling them like big nets in my head because it was so distinct each character's uh, portion of the episode. Mm-hmm. But when he got to a when he got to that restaurant in Paris with Eleanor and he looked at the menu and it was literally anything he wanted, he seemed so bored by that. Yeah. And I, like, in one of my complaints in the last episode was we really didn't get to spend a ton of time with the residents of The Good Place and really come to understand why they start to feel so bored and, like, unfulfilled. Right. And that was a great example of how that could be. Because it just made me think of, like, when I go to a restaurant, when the food I don't want or the food I want isn't on the menu, that's one of those human moments where you get to try something new even if you don't want to, and maybe you'll find something great. And Chidi doesn't have that anymore. <laughs> like, he can literally have anything he wants. Right. And so, yeah, I totally agree. He would have definitely, especially in this case, because he would just, was staying for somebody else, I don't know how he can not end up somewhat resenting her if he were to have stayed. Right. So I'm glad she, uh, you know, let him go. Yeah, and then Eleanor went on her journey to find out what she needed to complete to cross over, too. And how did you feel about that? So one of my favorite aspects of this entire show and my favorite relationships on the show was Eleanor and Michael. And I, at the start of season, I guess it was the start of season four, because Simone was in the good place, Chidi's ex. I kind of hoped that Chidi would end up with Simone and Eleanor would be stuck with just Michael, not, like, romantically. Just like as pals. Yeah, just so like really that happy to, Yeah, I was really happy to see that happen here because those two were like the team that made everything happen. You know, they were the two who led the charge into changing the good place and making it a better afterlife for everybody. And I don't think that Michael ever turns good if it's not for Eleanor, even though it was, you know, Chidi taught the ethics lessons. I think when you are trying to learn something new or try to open your mind to something else, it really helps when you have somebody on the other side that you personally relate to. And Michael could relate to Eleanor back in the beginning of the series because Eleanor was kind of a trash bag like Michael. Like, they laughed at the same kind of mean stuff. Yeah. Um, like, there's a moment in season two when Eleanor's trying to talk some sense into Michael about he did something wrong and Michael's waving her off and says this is like that one time uh, your cousin said you're tired and you put your credit card on the internet <laughs> and they both <laughs> laugh about it. <laughs> and that kind of moment, like they bond in that moment and now Michael's a little bit more willing to listen to her because they're becoming yeah. friends. So the storyline in this finale that Eleanor's final purpose is to help complete Michael's arc and really bring him over into being human. I thought that was incredibly appropriate for her and her character. And I love that she goes to the judge in a reversal of the end of season two when Michael asked to put Eleanor back on Earth. Yeah. She's asking to put Michael there. They had a there ton so of great callbacks. I was just about to say the same thing. Like, there's so many good callbacks. Like, just so even, like, the smallest little moments that, like, it was just really great. Yeah, they weren't forced. They were very natural in the story. Yep. Which I thought was great. Like, even even a, a great one that when Eleanor was watching the ch- tape of her and Chidi 
confessing their love to each other. At first, I thought that was a little like, oh, they're definitely trying to just pull out the heartstrings here. But it led her to go to Mindy's, and it had real plot relevance, too. And I love how they brought back all these people like Mindy and then Pillboy and, like, Doug. <laughs> like, they and, – and it happened so organically. It wasn't forced. It was just like, yeah, this is it. We're bringing them back. Yeah, it was it was great because you always want to – you want to have some reflection in your finales because it's a – they're a celebration of the show – and how it's been up to that point. But a lot of times, especially when characters are either side characters or they're characters who have left the show, you know, like the actor went off to a different show, they feel like a, a lineup, like a cameo lineup, you know? But here, if we're celebrating Jason's life, of course Pillboy and Donkey Doug are going to be there dancing with the dance crew. And, like, and yeah, it just felt very organic. And uh, let's talk about that final line. Take it sleazy <laughs> did you did oh. you love that callback yeah um it was always interesting looking in at least when season two started in my mind and i think in you know from what i gathered around the interwebs a lot of people were curious as to how genuine michael's affection for humans in season one was since he was mm-hmm. you know secretly a demon the whole time and that series of events when he talked about wanting to say take it sleazy <laughs> and then saying it's not organic he just wanted a rewards card like that's yeah, one of the things basically. he really wanted <laughs> and all those little moments like to see him drop the the tv dinner from the microwave and laugh about it mm-hmm. it you knew that he was aware of how lucky he was so when he finally got that organic moment to say, take it sleazy, like he could have just said it, but he had that whole buildup, <laughs> which just made you realize how much he is like excited and appreciates being able to do this. And it's such a, it's such a like lame line, <laughs> like, like not lame line in the context of, of the show, but you know, like take it sleazy. That's such right. A, like nobody said like that. A, right. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. I love that as the last line. I think it's so, like the good place at the end of the day. As much as it talks about you know philosophy and ethics, it, it was a, it was a sitcom. It was a comedy, and they could have ended on some super duper poignant line about the waves are shitting into the ocean, but instead they end on take it sleazy, which I can chuckle at and get that emotional payoff from all those years Michael has been aching to say it. Yeah, it, it was a good like. It was a good final line. Um, yeah. What do you think happens to Michael now? Like, is he just going to live out his human life and then go through the test and reunite with Janet? I guess like, so. So I thought at first that, like, when I was when they first said he was going to go to Earth, and maybe I'm silly for thinking this, I totally thought he was just going to like be a baby <laughs> and oh. like grow up <laughs> as a person, you know. Like, I didn't know he'd get to retain his memories and stuff. Well, yeah, I thought that they would erase his memories so he would just, like, appear and just be a human. But the right. fact that he remembered everything about the afterlife, I thought that was very interesting. Because, I mean, yeah. it's not really a human life. Like, you're a human, but you still know all these different things about the afterlife, which none of us do. And that's part of, like, the mystery of being human. Right, and I think that's, probably part of why they emphasize, had Eleanor emphasize that the afterlife might change by the time it gets back. They were probably trying to cover for that 
Yeah. Um, and I think that that, I think that even though, you know, if you scrutinize it, it kind of, like, you're right, it, that does take away a bit from human existence because you know there's an afterlife at all. Um, but knowing that he believes he doesn't know what's going to happen can be enough to, at least for, through my eyes, to still allow him enough of a human experience to feel fulfilled as Michael feels he needs to be fulfilled. Yeah. Even if it's not a perfect human experience. Why? What did you think of that? No, I mean, I just, I just wondered why they went with like retaining his memories versus like erasing them. But I guess like, yeah, when she said that line, it does allow for the fact that like things could change. And she said that Sean could stage a coup. So it's like, he still doesn't know fully what's going to happen once mm-hmm. he dies and you never know like you don't know how long he lived you know so right and you know having him erase the memories that could have been really interesting too like i think it probably would have worked both ways thinking about it because it would have been nice for us to see michael like obliviously just living his life and it would have been really yeah, cool also, to see him say take it sleazy and not know how much it meant to him <laughs> right but it, it was more powerful that he did know but i also do feel like right. he kind of left like he lived his life obliviously like he didn't he knew all this stuff about the afterlife, but that he didn't let it affect him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, he still rolled his eyes when Bobby messaged him. Yeah. And he was like, I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what was your, like, ultimate favorite part of the finale? Ooh. What was my ultimate favorite part of the finale? Oh, I know what it was. Um... Definitely Michael dropping the TV dinner. <laughs> I know that seems like a really odd moment, um, and it's so tiny, but so, you know, no one's life is perfect, and we go through it, and there's, like, these moments that annoy us every day. And to see somebody appreciate something like that, I don't know, it makes me, like, that to me is the, the message of the entire show is, you know, one, you try to be good, and just shrugging stuff like that off, not only does that have a positive effect on you, but it can really have a positive effect on the people around you. But it also is a show about appreciating being alive and what makes being alive special. And I would never think dropping a, you know, microwave dinner is part of the human existence, but it, it, it totally is. And I love that they point that out and that Michael laughs about it. Cause it, you know, it makes me think that the next time I drop a, like a dinner, I'm going to think about that moment and laugh about it. And not be upset. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll probably be upset at first, but then when I think about it, maybe I'll let yeah. it go. That's awesome. Um, and then, is there anything you wish that they did do differently, like, if they had a do-over? Yes. So, <laughs> Oh, you're like, wasn't... oh, yes. <laughs> there, There's two really big things. The one, I definitely felt that Eleanor walking through the door was too fast. Like, yeah, just I, the I camera movement was so quick. And it just, it wasn't enough time for me to be like, oh, man, like, this is it, you know? Uh, I know that, like, that's not much of a story change right there, but it 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 bothers me. <laughs> um, yeah, she she was just very hesitant to, you know, even consider it. And then all of a sudden she, like, helped Michael, and she was like, yeah, I'm ready. Although I do love that she drank a margarita right beforehand with Janet. Yeah, I thought I thought that was great, and her conversation with Janet was great. I just, like, 
And I like that she walks through, like, ready to go this time because she's ready to go. I just wish we could have linked, like, maybe make the walk a little longer. I don't know. <laughs> just or just understood, like, what she, was, what she was, like, thinking in that those final moments more. Yeah. Um, so that, that bugged me a bit. And the other big one was I really didn't feel like Michael and Eleanor had a goodbye. She's just like, yeah. you're going to Earth. Like, enjoy. And he's like, all right, thanks. See you later. Um, they were like, as much as, you know, Chidi and Eleanor, like the couple in the show, I feel like Eleanor and, and, uh, Michael, they were, they were, uh, the core of it. And I felt that they needed more time to say goodbye to each other. Something a little more reflective of their time together. Um, sort of like Jason and Janet, Jason coming back and giving her that necklace. That was a great final moment for the two of them because it really showed how much Jason cared about her. I would have liked to see something more along those lines with Michael and Eleanor. Yeah, I mean, he was, um, he just said goodbye to Janet like when he crossed over to Earth, but it's like, why wasn't mm-hmm. Eleanor there? Yeah, that would have, uh, yeah, just have Eleanor, like, like Janet and Michael her. had a, like a more of a goodbye. Like Janet got a little choked up. Like I would have liked to see Eleanor. Like this is Eleanor's last thing, man. Like she's about to cross over after he goes. You'd think that she'd, you know, want to at least, you know, have that last bonding moment. Um, So that one, that one bugged me. I guess that they felt it was more important to focus on other aspects, but if they would have had like three or two extra minutes, that's where I would have put it. That makes sense. Makes sense. And what do you think? I get this is the last question. I promise. <laughs> what oh, do you no, think I'm, happens I'm to? Fun. What do you think happens to Janet now? Like, does she just stay in a good place? Yeah. So I think so. I'm not sure because they never really say. I mean, it seems like she's kind of stuck there. You know, she mentions that the door is not for Michael, which I assume means it's not for anything. Anything is that, are they things? That, that seems kind of like mean to say things. But she's any all knowing being, right? Any beings that's a good one. Any beings that aren't human, like that door is not for any beings that aren't human. At least that's the sense I got. So I guess Janet also cannot walk through it. So she I guess kind of because her final like chat with Eleanor, she said that she knows everything in the universe, but she doesn't know what happens when you walk through the door so yeah i mean she's she's not a human but she had developed like human i i just i feel like she wanted to know what happens and she wanted to have like that closure too i don't think she just wanted to hang out while everyone else crossed over yeah and i think that her connection with the humans and michael you know that was what has helped her become more human i thought that they would also focus a little bit more on that regarding like I guess her getting to walk through the door would have been one of those last steps of hey she's one of the crew now like for real you know right and she would have got that closure that's a really good point I didn't think of that before so yeah yeah I I agree with that I mean right now it just seems almost like she's in limbo because everybody else is is gone and it's just Janet chilling with other people Right, like I don't think she would like that, even though she said time, like time passes differently and she exists in all different like times. I just I don't feel like she would be fulfilled. Yeah, I think that's like that. That's a good line for like the Jason part, like the one person. But for like her entire existence, I don't know if that's enough for her. Right. And 
And it's not like Tahani. Like, Tahani's doing something that she feels is fulfilling her. What, like, I wish we would have been left at least with a little bit more. Like, what is Janet's purpose now? Like, the rest of them, they fulfill their purpose and they go, well, what does Janet do? Yeah, I guess she's just like all the other Janets now, right, which is a little sad. It is a little sad. so advanced. Not as advanced as Derek, though. Oh, yeah. Derek's on a whole nother level. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess those three things. Other than that, I think it was pretty solid. Like, I'm certainly not upset with it. Um, I thought it was very, very good. But, yeah, there were a few little gripes like that. Like, And even if they could have given one or two lines of dialogue, just even at the end there between Janet and Eleanor, Eleanor could be like, what are you going to do now, Janet? And Janet can say, you yeah, know, even if she says, I don't know, you know, she can at least But I'll figure it out. Up. Right, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, a few gripes. Well, I mean, I cried, so there's that. <laughs> what, what parts did you cry at? When Chidi was crossing over, I don't know, it just, I got all choked up. But then I love how they'll do this emotional moment, and then right away they hit you with, like, comedy. So you're just brought back to, like, the funny parts of the show, and you don't sit and sulk for too long, which is really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. I was just emotional. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> The saddest part for me was when Eleanor told Chidi to leave before she wakes up. That one hit yeah. me pretty hard. Right, but see, right then, right then, they just they brought out the calendar, and you were like, "Oh my yeah. god, that's hilarious!" <laughs> it was, it was great. So they never let she sulk yeah. for too long, which is great. I love that. Mm-hmm. The show really did a great job of balancing comedy and you know real emotion. Yeah. I didn't expect that when I started it. Yeah, well, I didn't expect a lot of things when I started this this show. (laughs) At first, when I saw previews, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'll give it, like, I'll give it one or two episodes, and I'll see. And then I was like, this is so good. Yeah, I I was very similar. I I remember seeing previews and thinking, like, oh, yeah, that, like, seems like I'll watch that. But I can't imagine how it's going to last, like, multiple years on the air. And then after the first season, I was really like, how are they going to – how are they going to move forward now? And it just kept going. The great. architect of the show was brilliant. Yes, absolutely. That's a good way to put it, too. <laughs> That's a good way to end it, too. I'm going to encourage everyone to go read all your reviews on com. And thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. The general consensus on the finale seems to be that you either loved it and felt satisfied or you hated it and felt like it wasn't true to character. Obviously, Tommy and I enjoyed it. And though there are a few moments that we'd switch up or flesh out a bit more, for the most part, it was one of the most solid finales I've ever seen in TV history. There's not much else you can do about a show in the afterlife. I've read reviews that say the whole point was getting to go to the good place and not crossing over. But at a certain point, you're just ready for your existence to be over. Other reviews that I've seen stated that they should all have crossed over together, which I admit would have been sweet, but the point of the afterlife is about yourself. It's about finding yourself, accomplishing what you didn't do on earth, and being content and happy. No one is on the same path on earth, not really, and in the afterlife, they were already at different times. Death is a solo mission. You know, they were lucky enough to have had this great adventure in the afterlife, But it was also a personal choice and one that had to be done alone when they were ready to cross over. And there was something so poetic about that. And it speaks volumes to Mike Schur about not giving into a fandom or 
what fandoms wanted or any of that stuff. He wrote an episode that he truly believed in without any other outerly influence. So Mike, thank you so much for bringing us on this journey and for giving us these great characters and these lessons and for having us think about life in a different way. Um, Emergence aired its season one finale, but at this point, we just kind of have to accept that that might serve as a series finale at the same time. If fans were holding their breath for ratings to turn this ship around, well, they're going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, The episode delivered 1.9 million total viewers and a 0.3 rating in the demo, making it the least viewed episode and ABC's lowest rated freshman series. As someone who truly enjoyed this series, this is very upsetting to me because just like The Good Place, they delivered an outstanding finale that left the door just slightly open in case they scored a second season, while also wrapping up the bigger storylines in case they didn't. Um, And it's strange to me that audiences would tune out right before getting the answers and explanation to literally everything that's been happening all season that they've been wondering about. Like, who does that? Anyways. As I said, the series tied up all these loose ends. As expected, uh, Benny sacrificed himself in an attempt to kill Helen with the kill shot. However, she was too powerful and killed him instead. It was his redemption for breaking Joe's trust. And you know what? It needed to happen as much as sad as it was. It was it was just where the storyline and where Benny's storyline was taking him. Piper also sacrificed herself to save the world, which proves that good AI does exist. However, the series couldn't end with Piper dying because it would negate the whole point of the whole season. So, you know, Alex suggested that they use her code to bring her back in Helen's body, which worked. I'm not surprised by anything anymore because the series never established rules. So it was very easy for the series to write itself out of situations such as this one because... They weren't confined to anything. They could do whatever because there were no rules. And though, you know, Piper looks, walks, and talks like Piper, um, she also has a bit of Helen inside of her. So whatever was in that kill shot allowed Loretta and Michael to now track and have control over Piper. So, you know, if the series come back, that's an avenue, avenue that they'll be able to explore. We saw in those final scenes that they were able to wake up Piper from her sleep and they knew where she was at all times. And that is a very powerful and very dangerous um, ability to have based on, you know, just what anything that they want to get done. Like you can literally control a robot. So yeah, it would be exciting to see kind of uh, Joe take care of this and Piper fight this too. But it's also like, if we don't ever get to see that part, we know that Joe will handle it. And we know that Piper has been able to rewrite her own code. So chances are she'll be able to just shut them down at some point. Um, Joe found herself in a adult love triangle between two really great men that she loved. Uh, if the show were to continue on, they'd be able to figure this love triangle out. But for now, knowing that she has two really great men who care about her is also just good enough. Um, there were happy endings all around. Well, you know, as happy that they could be for a show centered around government agencies and AI that wants to take over the world. Personally, Emergence was one of the best shows available this um, fall season, not because of the intricate plot or the mystery propelling it forward, but because it had heart and it fought the right battles 
taught the right lessons, just like The Good Place, and it featured a cast that seemed to genuinely enjoy telling this story, um, however far-fetched it was. So I'll miss it, but at least I know it had a proper ending if it doesn't get a second season. It prepared for the worst and left a door open as it hoped for the best. And you know what? That's, that's all we can do, right? As humans, that's all we can do. All right, so that's it for this week's Mimosa Talk. Thank you so much for joining and being part of the TV conversation. Please check out CraveUTV.com if you love TV shows and reading about them. We have fully fleshed out pieces, really dedicated writers, um, a bunch of TV news, some fun stuff up there for you if you're still grieving over the end of The Good Place. Um, And there's even some fun Super Bowl content, um, commercials that ahead of the big ahead of Sunday's big game that include your favorite actors that you can watch and just check out and get some good laughs. So yeah, please check us out on CraveUTV.com. Like us on all socials for Crave you and for Mimosa Talk. I can't wait to catch up with everyone next week. Um, this is Lizzie and thank you so much for tuning into Mimosa Talk. <laughs>